0: Try that again. I said it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen. Uh, That's not much better, but maybe maybe by the end we'll 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 get a little bit better. (laughs) We're here today to praise and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ corporately, as a whole, as a group. And as such, we ought to be able to lift up our voices in a noise of joy. The Enthronement Psalms, which end with Psalms 96 through 100, <clears throat> paint a character sketch of Yahweh as, a ba- as the basis of appeal for all nations to turn from their idols and to, search, to worship the God of Abraham. In Psalm 96 and 98, we see his exaltation, the exaltation of his righteousness. In Psalms 97 and 90, uh, or 97 rather, we see his power and his dominion. In Psalm 99, we see his holiness and his fidelity to Israel. And then in Psalm 100, it tells of his goodness, the goodness of God. I've heard it said before, as I'm sure you have, that God is good, how often? All the time. God is good all the time. He's good in our happy times, and he's good in our sad times. He's good in times of fear, and he's good in times of joy. He's good in times of our youth, and he's good in times of pain. I'm finding as you have youth, and then as you get older, there's pain. <laughs> I'm sure not as much pain as some of you have, but <laughs> you're older. That was the He's good in times of our youth, and he's good in times of our old age. He's good in times of his blessings to us, but he's also good in his times of his chastising toward us. God is good all the time. Psalm 100, if you'll turn in your Bibles, if you're not already there. Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Lord God in heaven, we just pray that, Father, as we come together today, that all things that are done would be pleasing in your sight. Father, that you would receive the glory and the honor that you surely deserve. Father, teach us that we might go into this dark world and be a light unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. Might they see the joy in our lives brought forth by your goodness. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I want to invite you today to worship with me this morning. You say, well, we've been doing that. Well, we have. We've been singing praises and worship unto the Lord. And that's exactly what this is. This is an invitation of worship. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. The word make there means to form or to cause or to produce a joyful noise. And I I read that and I say, okay, Scripture says make a joyful noise. And I say, well, two questions. How do I do it and why do I do it? There's certain ingredients which which constitute the whole of a joyful noise and the ability for us to make such a noise. Just a few weeks ago, Kay and I and the girls, and and I sent out an invitation via uh, email for you guys, so if you didn't go, you missed a blessing. That's a little guilt trip on you there, but just down the street here, the joy bells were, were singing, and the joy bells are a group of girls who come out of a, a home uh, with, with uh, young folks with addictions, and, and they're always changing, but then there was about six or seven of them, and they made a statement before they got started. They said, you know, we're not professional singers, but it's from the heart. And I'm telling you, to hear them sing, oh, what a joyful noise. It was coming from their heart. It was coming from their heart. There's some here that make a joyful noise. We make a joyful noise that the world cannot understand. Truly, they cannot understand that joy. It says, make a joyful noise. That word joyful, full of joy, or very glad, exulting. Psalm 61 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation and covered me in the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. The word jewels there doesn't merely mean just jewelry. It, it speaks of, of any apparatus, the implementation of the, u- the utensils, the vessel. Here, it's the dress or the ornaments of any kind. Think back on that wedding day and uh, of your bride. Think back, and, and, and she was decked out. She was, she was adorned in lace and flowers and, and, and jewelry and that headpiece. And she was simply beautiful. She was beautiful. If you've forgotten, you can turn and look to her now and see that beautiful woman. I mean this in all sincerity, I truly do. There's women that I've seen that um, on their wedding day I would have never recognized them if I didn't know them before that because the beauty that day is abounding simply by how they're clothed and the matter that they are clothed in, and and the beauty. God's garments and God's covering, my friend, are able to make the vilest of sinners clean and beautiful. Amen? The vilest of sinners. Philippians 3.21 says, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body? Make a joyful noise. Why? Because, Because we've been clothed in the garments of salvation, and covered in his righteousness. We've, we've been transformed from that which was vile to that which is now made beautiful. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You know, <laughs> and we've heard this time and time again, but we make a joyful noise in so many things. You know, I think of football games, and, and, and Kristen and I are about ready to go see the, the Phillies next week, and <clears throat> I'm sure we'll make a joyful noise there. Um, especially if we get a, we're right off the first base line, so hopefully we get a, a shot over there, and, and if we get get a ball, we'll definitely make a joyful noise. Um, but many times we we make joyful noises to, to a lot of different things. I'm sure the softball team this year, I'm sure you, well maybe you guys didn't make so many joyful noises. Huh? <laughs> On second thought, now I'm sure. We had a lot of fun, that's right. Now, I'm sure you, you, there was a joyful noise made. But when it comes to worship, I'm, I'm afraid maybe we have some shortcomings in those joyful noises unto the Lord. <clears throat> make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I want you to notice something here, too, and, and just as a sidetrack. But it says make a joyful noise. It doesn't say make a happy noise. It says a joyful noise. Not all situations are going to be happy ones. But we can have joy in all situations. Because our joy is not based on our happenings. Paul penned these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 4. He says, Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulations in all our tribulations." The word joyful there that Paul uses in that specific passage means to be overjoyed, to be superabounding. It's a word that was used only one other time in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20 when Paul had no other word to use, there was no other word to explain the joy that he had because it was, it was, so, uh, it was, it was overflowing. There was no other word to express what he was trying to get across here, he says, "I have exceedingly joyful in all our tribulations." He says, "I have a joy that cannot be explained. I don't know how to explain this to you. I, I can't. I, I don't have the words to say it. I can't. I can't show you. I can't. Uh, it's it's a joy that just just overflows." Do you have that joy? Do we have that joy? You can. It's a joy that is available. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Let me ask you, who's this written to? Who's he addressing? Everyone. He says, all ye lands. An invitation again to worship. It's possible As a matter of fact, it's God's will that all should be able to make this joyful noise. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But friends, it's only that person who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who has the ability to... To make this joyful noise. For they're the ones that have been clothed in salvation and covered in righteousness. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. You know, in order to, to make a joyful noise, we have to serve the Lord. You have to. The word serve here gives the, uh, the implication of one who is working, one who is in service, one who is enslaved, one who is a bondservant, one in, in all acts of obedience, is serving the Lord. Make no mistake here about it. It's not out of compulsion. It's not one who's serving out of fear or reluctantly. It's not one who's serving out of tradition because, well, that's what we do. That's what my family's done. That's what I, how I was brought up but one who is willingly and forward to serve the Lord. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy, with all thy, and with all thy strength. Out of love, we're to serve the Lord out of love. It shouldn't be a burden for us to be in service It shouldn't be a burden for us to be in worship, it's a privilege. Just as that liberty is to go before the throne of grace, to go before the throne of God, that access we have, the liberty there, it's a privilege. A prisoner last week (laughs) I was talking to, he says, it's a blessing, It's, it's, it's it's a privilege and a blessing for me to get out and mop the floor. He says, I'm held in bondage 23 or or so hours out of 24. And when I get out, it's a privilege, privilege for me to get out and to mop that floor. You know, when we were held in bondage by sin, a servant of sin, now that we're set free, it is a privilege to serve in that capacity, to worship in that capacity. And yet I'm afraid that many throughout our churches in America and, and even here, we don't count on a privilege to be here on Sunday morning, but a burden. You say, Dave, why, do you, why, would you, why would you make that statement? Why would you say that? Because we're not here on Sunday night and we're not here on Wednesday evening. David said, In Psalm 122, verse 1, he says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, hey, come back Sunday night. I was glad when they said to me, come out and pray on Wednesday evening. It wasn't a burden. It was a privilege. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. With gladness. You know what's interesting is that one little word between serve and Lord, the, that's an important word. It says, serve the Lord and the Lord only, the entity of the Lord. Exodus 20 and verse 3, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Jeremiah 25, 6, and go not up after other gods to serve them and to worship them and provoke me to anger with the works of thy hands. Serve the Lord. With what? With gladness. With pleasure. With joy. Not out of compulsion. Not out of fear. Not because that's what I'm supposed to do. But out of love for what God has done. Worship the Lord with gladness. It says, come before his presence with singing. Interestingly enough, this word, come, gives the idea that we're always before Him. I thought to myself, how can we come before the Lord when we're always in His presence? So as I I looked looked at that and researched that, the word word actually means that we're we're already before His presence. There's times when uh, maybe I'm on one side of the room and the children are on the other side of the room and they're in my view, they're in my line of sight, I can see them, they're in my presence, but for one reason or another normally another. I need to ask them to, to come closer to me, to come, to come over here. They're in my line of sight, and just as if we're always before God, and always in his presence. Jeremiah twenty-three, twenty-four says, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not find him, or see him, rather? Sayeth the Lord, do I not fill heaven and earth? See, what I'm asking them to do is I'm asking them to, to come near, to come closer to me. Come before, the, come before his presence with singing. The word come here means to move toward, to advance near from, from any distance and in any manner. James 4.8 says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh to you. So many times I've talked to people and they said, you know, I've just been praying that God will just bring me closer to himself. You know, I've been praying and praying. Well... I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen. Scripture says you draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. You have a desire to know God and develop that relationship with Him, and He'll draw near to you. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Again, His presence. We're always before Him. We're always in His presence. And just as such, we should always be in a mode of worship. One that we have an overflowing spirit, a spirit prepared to shout out loud. We should come before His presence, it says here, with singing. That word singing literally means to sh- a shout of joy. A shout of joy. You know, once in a while... I'm getting ready for work in the morning. I'm running late, and uh, I'll go outside. I'll put some stuff in the, in the truck, and I'll come back in and get a bite to eat. And when I come out, the sun's coming up, and I'll stand there, and I'll just listen to the birds sing. That's beauty. And I, I've stood there for, for several minutes. I've even, I even taped it onto my phone so I could listen to it later. <laughs> just to hear those birds sing. To hear nature rejoicing. To hear nature rejoicing. We're not simply to to joy and comfort in ourselves, but to the glory of God. When you get a chance, we don't have a time now, but when you get a chance, Psalm 65. Go back and read that. Psalm 65. See God's care for his creation and how they praise him. Then swing over to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 28 to 30 and see what God's done for us and how much more so we ought to be praising him. Verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, He is God, the way, the truth, and the life. Only one true God, I and my Father are one, He said. You neither knew me nor my Father. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. The word know there gives the idea that in some sense to know who God is, to know something about God, here specifically that the Lord, He is God. maybe as you're growing in your relationship with God that in your fellowship that to know something about maybe his freedom that he is not restricted nor limited is his eternality maybe both forward and backward he has no creator he provides his own for his own needs his immutability he's unchanging and unchangeable his immensity is, exists separate from from all the material universe his holiness. Not only that he's separate from everything that is that is evil and everything that is unclean, but that in his very being he is holy. Maybe it's his love, that balance of correction and affection that he has. The truth here is that you have to know him. You have to have that developing relationship in order to serve him, in verse 2, so that you can. Make that joyful noise in verse 1. Know ye the Lord. Tonight we'll be finishing the rest of that chapter, but I just want to read for you the the DM version, that's the Dave Mills version, of Psalm 100. It's not inspired nor preserved. It says, The Lord who is God is good and no one else. His mercy and truth are everlasting and available. His goodness has the power to transform the filthy into beautiful, into beauty. You are all invited to enter into the salvation of the Lord and are offered His garments and covering. As a result of accepting this invitation, you will thankfully serve. You will thankfully praise and you will thankfully worship the Lord who is God. You will do it with pleasure, willingly desiring it because it is the reasonable response. As a result, the overflowing and abundant joy that is within you will burst out, producing an exalting worship unto the Lord, who is God. This will be a consistent state of mind, radiating an unsurpassed joy that simply cannot be explained. Because of his goodness, you will know our joy. Let me ask you this morning, do you, do you know the Lord? Maybe the better question is, that, does the Lord know you? Christian, is, is your joy evident in your life, day to day? You know, there's been, there's been times in my life where I, <laughs> actually I didn't think so, but my wife pointed out that my joy wasn't evident. She said, what what happens to this joy that you're talking about? I said, oh, I've got it. And she said, well, I don't see it. It was those times that I was, as Ted pointed out just the other day, that I was under the circumstances. It's not where I ought to be. I ought to be under God's leading and through his word. Are you serving him with gladness? Is your joy evident not only in your service, but also in your worship? Have you forgotten who the Lord is? Not in your mind, but in your heart. Have you forgotten that you're always present before the Lord? Always. Maybe you're asking, why don't I have this joy? Why don't I have it? Let me ask you, are are you in God's word? It's a simple question, time and time again, we've been asked it. Are you in God's word? You see, it's that growing knowledge of who God is, along with the work of the Holy Spirit that'll provoke you to serve with gladness. The more you know God, the more you'll wanna serve God and develop in you that overflowing joy that gives you that desire To make a joyful noise. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Junk in, junk out. The word of God in, service, and praise, and worship out. Are you praising God's goodness out of the abundance of your heart? You say, what can I do to draw near to God? Read his word daily. It is there that we'll receive the direction that we need. Be involved in service. Be involved in the local church. I believe Scripture is clear in this church age that every believer ought to be involved in a ministry in a local church. And I believe Scripture is also clear that every ministry ought to be under the authority of the local church. That's just an extra for you. Maybe you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, this doesn't make no sense to me. I'm sorry, I, I, I don't get it. That's okay. Because quite frankly, you don't have the ability to experience this joy yet. But you can. You say, I've got joy. Are you kidding me? I've got cars and I've got money and I've got, I've got homes and, and I've got everything I've ever wanted. I've got joy. I've got joy in, in, in the things that I've built. For myself I've got joy now nah, you don't have joy like this I've had some of that joy I've had that temporary joy that only lasts for a season and when I lay my head down on my pillow at night I realize there's something that I don't have you don't have joy like this make a joyful noise under the Lord. It's an invitation, which means you can have this joy. It is available to you. This joy is. My friend, Scripture tells us that the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. It goes like this. God created the heavens and the earth and everything that's in it. He put man on the earth, and man, in his own free will, decided to sin against God. Adam decided to sin, and because of his sin, one man's sin, it entered into the world. And now we're all under that curse of sin. We're born sinners. You see, we, we, we're not sinners because we sin. We're not, we're not but we're, we sin because we're sinners. God says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All means all, and that's all all means. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Because we're sinners, we're, we're under a death penalty. It says the wages of sin is death. And because we sin, God says that that, that death penalty, that wage, that wage of that sin is death the consequences of sin is death. Death in this circumstance means not just an annihilation, but it means an eternity spent ultimately and finally in a lake of fire, a lake of fire that is forever burning, in darkness, among many other things, but including Eternal separation from God. Oh, I believe the pain and everything else is going to be just terrible. But the pain of knowing with a, with a memory that can look back and say, I know what I've rejected. I know what put me here. And now I'll never be able to see my sa- the, the Savior. That's got to be the worst of all. And so because of sin, God says there's a penalty for that. And the penalty for that is hell. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, my friends, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God said out of his grace and his mercy, my son Jesus, I want you to go down to our creation and I want you to be the savior of the world. I want you to pay the penalty for their sin. And he said, I'll do it. And so he willingly came down. He willingly lived among us, the people at that time, without sin. They hung him upon a cross. He shed his blood for the remission of our sin, for the covering, for the payment of our sin. He died on that cross. He was buried. He rose again. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And he says that... Was the payment of the penalty of my sin, or the payment for the penalty of your sin? I've made payment. I told a girl at VBS just this past two weeks ago. Last night, two weeks ago, I told her. I said, you know, think of it this way. I said, think of it. You're supposed to go clean your room, and you decide you're going to play with your little doll instead. An hour later, mom and dad come up to the room and they say, little Sally, why didn't you clean your room? And she said, well, I was playing with my doll. I didn't want to clean my room. She doesn't say that, but she thinks that. And they said, well, little Sally, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to punish you. We're going to have to give you a week without television because you didn't clean your room. Just then, little Sally's big sister comes in and says, out of compassion and love for her sister, says, I'll pay that penalty. I'll go without TV so that little Sally can watch TV. Now, little Sally has a choice. She can say, whew, that's a good deal. I'll accept that. I'll, I'll take that gift and, and, and maybe hopefully next time learn from it. But little Sally can also say, you know what? I don't want, I don't, I don't want you to do that for me. I'll pay my own. I can, I can do it myself. And she'll pay the consequences. God said, I've sent my son Jesus Christ. He has shed his blood for the payment of your sin And you can accept that as a payment. Or you can reject it. If you reject it, the wages of sin is death. But if you take that and say, Lord, I agree with you. I'm a sinner. There's nothing. I'm hopeless. I can't do it. I can't get to heaven on my own. I'm helpless without you. And I'm a sinner. There's nothing I can do to get to heaven. And I realize that your son, Jesus Christ, shed his blood, died on the cross, was buried and rose again to make a payment for the penalty of my sin. And I trust in that work for the payment of my sin. He says, if you'll do that, you can have everlasting life. That you can have the ability to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. our heads.